to the show. It's the Mark and Mark podcast. I'm sports editor Mark Podolsky. I love pop culture, and you are entertainment Mark, entertainment Mark, entertainment editor Mark Mazoris. And uh, I like sports and pop culture and all things entertainment. And now I'm just rambling, and I apologize. Right, and you know, Mark, usually, you know, the world's coming to an end with the Cavs, but we're gonna, we're, they're doing okay. They're, they're three, three wins in a row. I didn't think that was still possible. They're starting, they're, start, they're starting to show signs of life. Late and, development. I am going to the game tomorrow, and I'm actually looking forward to it. So that's exciting. And the Cavs are, or the, the Cavs, the Browns are still pathetic. They're Owen, whatever. I think Owen ten. Will soon to be 0 and 10 but this weekend. Two games in a row where they put together a first half where they look like they belonged in the sport. So I'll take that. That's some progress. Okay. okay. I'm glass half uh, half full these days. And congratulations to Corey, Corey Kluber's Kluber. second Cy Young award. Um, you know, the save the playoffs. Outstanding season. He deserved it. Let's hope that he's in Cleveland for a long time. But that's the extent of our sports conversation this week. It's going to be all pop culture from here on out. And we're going to do two things. We're going to talk. Justice League, which comes out, we're recording this on Thursday, this November 16th. It actually comes out tonight if you're gung-ho about hitting the, the theater for a late-night screening. But to the masses, it comes out tomorrow on November 17th. You and I already saw it on Tuesday. Uh, and pop culture doesn't get much bigger for you than a big superhero release. And absolutely. I think especially a DC release because... I think you have. A, I think it's like a little bit of a badge of honor for you that you love these movies. I, I do, and and I, but look, I love Marvel. You know, look, I, I, growing up, I was a Marvel boy. I loved my Spider-Man. And see, I was the opposite. It's I loved funny. my Spider-Man. I loved my Captain America, the Falcon, and all those guys. I, I just a Fantastic Four, and I kind of grew to love DC, and I, so I love them both. But we're going to get in discussion about that. Uh, it's going to be all over the board. Obviously, this this film is is about as divisive as it as it can be. Even which I'm a little surprised. Even more so than BVS, which I think was so heavily towards the you know horrible. This thing's horrible. This thing's a train wreck. There was a you know I was kind of on an island saying I, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, and then we're going to talk about the holiday film preview, which is coming up, which is really centered around one film, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. But I haven't heard of it. I know. <laughs> There's this, this thing about George Lucas and this guy about space and it's kind of. Okay, whatever. Whatever. Um, so let's get into let's get into Justice League. We both saw it. I think the fanboy reaction early in the week when the premiere started and people were seeing it, the fanboys is that it's. I think in most of it, it was very positive, and now in the last few days you've seen the film critics, uh, kind of their stuff coming in, um, and I think look, I'm not going to characterize everybody in, in one lump, but I think. The bloggers, so to speak, the new wave of critics are very favorable, I think, for this movie. Not very, but favorable for this film. And I think the quote-unquote old-school film critics, I don't know if I, I would put you in, in that vein, but hmm. you, you know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know that I, I mean, you probably followed it more closely than I. I'm surprised if it breaks down that way, but I guess I, I I've seen that. some, just some, wow, like some, just really... Over, the, I mean, to me, in my opinion, over the top criticism. What's well, your point? So, and not just for the film. I've seen stuff like Zack Snyder is destroying this this universe, and I don't know. It just it just kind of rubbed it the wrong way in, in that respect a little bit. But we both saw the film. I really enjoyed it. I think you I like enjoyed you. it. So, you know, you're the film guy here. Just kind of in a nut nutshell, give me your reaction to this film. So you come into it with the 
you know, and I'll use the, the, the word with the bad connotation, the baggage of the previous two Zack Snyder right. DC movies. Um, even though, I, as much as you and I have argued with them, I don't consider myself the biggest hater of those movies. I gave them reasonably decent reviews. Right. Because I think they kind of work one time through to a degree, but I, I'll say that I've never really wanted to sit down and watch them again. But so I, I come in with not loving what Zack Snyder has done with those movies. Uh, to me, they're generally too long. Batman Superman definitely was. G- generally too stilted. I, I don't think the... I don't think he's great at telling a story. I don't think he's great with character, even though he's successful at times. Um, and so this movie, as I pointed out in my review, and you and I have talked about, uh, there was an edict from the Warner Brothers head, hey, this has got to be in at two hours, which is, I think, the appropriate ideal running time for I a movie agree. like this. Um, running times of these films are getting outrageous. Right. Now, look, I think there are exceptions. Star Wars, the next, the new Star Wars is going to be almost two and a half hours. I'm all for that, but I'm a Star Wars <laughs> nut, you know. So anyways, I liked the two-hour runtime. I thought that would help it. And uh, due to some unfortunate circumstances, Zack Snyder had to exit kind of late in the filmmaking process. Joss Whedon, who directed the first Avengers, and so obviously has experience putting together these big superhero movies, was kind of brought in to finish, oversee post-production, all that. So my opinion is, you know, I'm not there during the making, but my opinion is the runtime and the Joss Whedon involvement really helped this movie. This movie, to me, just moved along and kept things more entertaining than those previous two movies did. I didn't think it was completely successful. I still think there's some dead spots, and I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think it's the most compelling story, or it's this, or it's that, or it's that. But, like, to me, it it checked the boxes it needed to check to be right. a successful um, accomplish its goal, entertain me while I shove popcorn in my mouth for two hours movie. So yeah, I don't like, I just looked where you were talking 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. That re- I wouldn't expect this movie to get 80%. No, but 70, 68, 65, something like that. I'm really surprised that it's getting killed. Cause Here, I don't think it's and, that and look, you can disagree with me and you know, everybody out there can say I'm, I'm, I'm insane by saying this, but here's my, here's my kind of my issue with this film. Or not not with this film, but with Rotten Tomatoes and the critics and everything. So we both saw Thor Ragnarok. Right. We both enjoyed it. Fair. I thought it was a it was a really nice, really fun superhero movie. It is getting a ninety three on Rotten Tomato. Now all I'm saying is that if if you go to see Thor Ragnarok and you go to see Justice League, if you're telling me that there is a, a, a as big as a fifty percent gap between those two films. Look, I'll take it. You know, it's your opinion. That's fine. But I, when I watch those two films, I, I just I can't fathom to think. Well, this movie is fifty percent better than Justice League. So you should exactly take this the wrong way. I'm horrified that I agree with everything you just said, and that we more or less agree on both of those movies. To me, those movies are very much in line. I think they're right. both about. I gave them both three stars. I think they're both very entertaining. I they're think fine. They both have flaws. Right. Uh, you know, there are different flaws. They do different things well, different things. But they're basically, you know, an above average movie for this kind of thing. They're entertaining. Right. So I agree with you. I'm surprised that there's so much uh, split that people think Thor Ragnarok is just virtually flawless and, and Justice League's a mess. Right. I don't I don't get that at all. Like, to me, like, the holy grails of these superhero genre films are The Dark Knight, Guardians of the Galaxy. You want to throw those 90 percentile numbers at those number movies? Heck yeah. Right. Thor Ragnarok. I'm not buying it. And, no. and, and, and look, you might think it as a criticism, but it's not. I just think, like you said, somewhere in, in between that 60 and 70 number would be perfectly fine for these. Movies. Right. I wouldn't expect, yeah, I wouldn't expect the 90%. So I'm wondering, is it a, is it a, what do you, first of all, do you entertain the, the idea that maybe there is some sort of bias? Is it either against Jack Schneider or is it the thought of, well, it's just not Marvel. 
I don't think it's just not Marvel because I think people, uh, I think critics and people like, and again, to me, this is what I'm about to say. It's another good film. I gave it three stars. I kind of thought it worked on the same level. I think people overrate Wonder Woman. I think people were falling all over themselves yeah. to talk about how good Wonder Woman is. That's DC. That's not a Marvel thing. Right. So if there's a bias out there, I think it's against Zack Snyder. And I have told you, I, like when three Zack Snyder burst on the scene of 300 many years ago. Right. You I loved was, that movie. I was blown away by that movie. Having said that, over time, until this movie, <laughs> I've liked him a little bit less every time. You know, right. I've liked him less over time. Uh, even 300, I kind of put it in now, and it just doesn't age well for me. His filmmaking style, he he extremely frustrates me because I think he's got a great visual sense, and I think he does some things really well. But again, his movies are just too stilted for me, is the word I always use, and just overdoes the slow-mo, and it just like, they just don't have the momentum I want. Um, so I went in... You know, with not loving Zack Snyder. But again, for the reasons I already stated, I thought this worked better than the previous couple of Zack Snyder movies. So, you know, I I don't like Michael Bay, but I try to go in thinking maybe this Michael Bay movie will be good. It <laughs> right. Almost never. Right. You know, but, <clears throat> you know, but so if there's a bias, I would guess it's against <clears throat> Snyder because I think I'm not alone in feeling the way I feel about okay. his filmmaking. How much do you think the addition of uh, Joss Whedon at the end kind of... the you know, not to clean things up, but just sort of kind of steer it in a direction. I think the studios wanted it to be, which was, you know, make, let's make sure that we amp up the fun factor. Let's make sure that these characters, uh, you know, show some sort of uh, chemistry, which I thought they did. That was one of the biggest strengths I thought so, with this film. If I understand correctly, and I'm not sure I, I totally do, but my, my impression is that Zack Snyder pretty much shot the film. And then Whedon came I think there were some reshoots. That that's probably typical. So, you know, it's hard to know how much Whedon could actually do. But if Whedon oversaw the editing process, I mean, the editing process, it's always called like the last rewrite of the film because you can really reshape and significantly alter a film in editing. Right. And I just like the way this movie was cut more than the other movies. Again, just faster. You know, uh, it just zipped along more. You didn't go long stretches without something kind of entertaining, fun, funny, whatever. Mm -hmm. So... I think a lot of times the director gets a, you know too much or too little credit or too I'm sorry too much credit too much blame so I I don't know how much Whedon's really responsible for the things I liked about this film, right. film but he, he did not get a directorial uh, credit right? right it still said a film by Zack Snyder um, but I bet he had a lot to do with it that and coupled the fact of this get it down to two hours I think that alone even if Whedon didn't come in I think yeah. that movie being two hours would have helped it for me right and and I gotta be honest with you I I thought that was just a perfect time. Of that movie. I would rather a movie leave me wanting a little more than right. overstaying its welcome by even 10 yeah. minutes. And that movie left me wanting just a little more. Yeah. Like, I would have liked Aquaman to have a bit more to do because I like Jason Momoa because I'm a Game of Thrones well, fan. You know, I think and that's the thing we talk about always with these films like Avengers. There's always going to be something that's going to be left out. Where you can't, like... It's impossible. So, you know, I thought they did a reasonably job of uh, of uh, having all these characters have something to do or get a sense for them. Like, I got a sense for The Flash. I got a sense for Cyborg. Right. Um, again, I'm not expecting a miracle here, so right. I, I'm surprised of all the hate. I got to be, I got to agree with you. You know, this film, uh, you know, two hours, great, but I, so, I sometimes I think that the length of a film can still hurt it. And I think if this film would have been a little longer, like two and a half, it could have hurt it. Look, I, I really enjoyed Blade Runner twenty four was forty four nine twenty four. That movie is just way too long. I mean, it's just it just hampers down the film. The movie-going experience, it really does. It doesn't for me. But I would have, I wouldn't mind if it ended. But to me, it did. It's a two and a half hour movie. I could have shaved ten minutes. I thought off it was like two forty. 
It might have been close. Eh, it was like two, between 230 and 240. Yeah. Um, that's one where I just give over to a, a really talented filmmaker and I enjoy the slow experience because, again, it's not – you don't want to put everything into the same box. It's a really slow experience. <laughs> I agree. Like, and this is where this is where film, you know, judging film, like, it's just all subjective. I know. You know, I really love. I love the flavor uh, that Dennis Villeneuve brings to a film. I know I said his says name wrong. I always say it wrong. Um, much more than I like what Zack Snyder brings. Right. So I don't mind the Blade Runners that long, but it's a perfectly legitimate feeling you have right. to be like, could have done this in less yeah. time. Well, that being said, about this film, I think there is without question you're going to get an extended cut for the Blu-ray. You would think, don't you think? I mean. Yeah. I, you do get a sense that there was Directors a lot. cut. Zack Snyder comes yeah. in with four and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, you just got, you, when you watch this film, you do get a sense that there was a lot maybe left out. Don't you? Um, I I didn't. Maybe about 20 to 30. I would say about 20 to 30 minutes. I didn't feel like anything needed more, which is, again, I think, because I'm sure they shot more. I, I think that speaks to a solid editing job. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 the basic summary of this film, this is not going to be too spoilery. There's this... I don't know, ancient warrior, whoever, sucking time, comes back through a portal. His name's Steppenwolf. He's like a sidekick or a minion of this really big entity called Darkseid, which is sort of like Marvel's Thanos. But just so you know, Darkseid came before Thanos, just in case there's these Marvel's okay. freaks who say, you know, they're copying off. Marvel, but so Darkseid is this really this ultimate baddie, and this guy's I don't know he's coming looking for these mother boxes, which to me that was one of the most confusing things about this film. I didn't really know what these things meant, and they did a I think the one thing that did do well with the film, which connected the universes of like Atlantis, where Aquaman came from, and um, the Amazon island. What do they call it? The Mystera or the Mystera? Not sure. So wherever Wonder Woman comes for, they connect those worlds to the, you know, mankind, you know, the Europe and United States and all that stuff. So you get you get a sense why all these people are coming together to mm-hmm. save and you, know, you know what else what else is new? We gotta save the world, you know. Um But did you have what did you think about the story? Did you think it do you think it was a little choppy? Because I think there are some plot holes Big time in this film. Look, I'm just so tired of of the the villain that we know isn't the ultimate villain, and he's got to he wants to get these powerful things and combine them and destroy everything for really no reason. It was, it was a weak villain, I thought. Yeah, you know, because they can get away with like this is the first time we're putting all the heroes together, and that's what sells it. And then next time they can do the right. better villain, you know. But to talk about the Marvel vs. DC thing, I, I thought the they're called these mother boxes, these three mother boxes. They're basically the Infinity Stones, right? Right, like, exactly. Just, so I, I just didn't care about that at all, but. I recognize that they've got to do something. Yeah, you know. So I guess like if you you mentioned how this thing checks off the list for superheroes, superhero films, and I thought the one thing this film did really well was it it created this cast of characters, it brought them together. I thought pretty pretty nice. It was tightly wound in terms of yeah. how they brought them together. It wasn't just like. You know, plucking this guy out of a well, and they they, out, they out teased it all in Batman vs Superman. There's obviously right. that scene where Batman's aware of all these people, right? So, so you, you know. kind of get that sense. And was there the fun factor? And like, there's no question, there's the fun factor in this movie. Um, you mentioned what Whedon brought on, and do you think he? I I think if anything, he kind of maybe helped with that fun factor, especially with the character like the Flash played by Ezra Miller. Yeah, but to be fair, 
I, I think Snyder had his marching orders. I think since Batman v Superman, I think they wanted a more fun Justice League. And you reading, you were reading. Are you about saying that here you're actually defending Zack Snyder? What's that? Are you defending Zack Snyder? I'm trying to be fair. Wow. Um, so I think he tried to set out and make more of the movie we saw. That's why I don't want to give too much credit to Whedon, even yeah. though I have been. Um, <laughs> but back to. Uh, sorry, I'm distracted by work things. Back to uh, what I liked about it and the, the character development. I I, I, I continue to enjoy this version of Batman that Ben Affleck is playing. I, very, I'm, very I'm a sucker so. for the aging human superhero. You know, he's getting banged up and there's a line about, you know, the kind of lethal weapon. I'm too old for this stuff yeah. kind of thing. I like the continued teasing of maybe Bruce Wayne and Wonder Woman and, you know, yeah. he's kind of into her. Right. And, you know, they didn't, they kind of just still leave that for more. But yeah. it's just, I just didn't mind. It's the most I've enjoyed these characters and being with them. And uh, so, you know, that, that's what I thought it was saying. cool. Like they had that, it was definitely that mother, father or aunt, uncle vibe with, Affleck and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Batman recruiting these younger uh, characters, especially with Ray Fisher playing Cyborg, who I thought was going to be like a real throwaway character. I I was kind of impressed. I kind of was into him as Cyborg, weren't you? Well, yeah, it, it's funny because I, I told you I want these movies to be fun. And, and The Flash is such a comic character in this movie. They go for so many laughs. I like that Cyborg was more of a serious character. There was really nothing funny about him. Right. And to me, that gave balance to the film. Um, so I, and I really liked his performance. I thought he, uh, I, I'm not familiar with his work, but I thought he did a nice job. Momoa's classic. He's like that, uh, biker kind of walk on the wild side kind of guy. And he's interesting. Um, I do, I do wonder how, uh, how all these characters are going to do on their own standalones. Cause I think there are plans for all of these characters after standalone films. I believe so. I know there's. I know a Aquaman for the, sure. And okay, I, think well, I know Flash for sure. They're supposedly setting up a, a Flash-centric Justice League sequel. Oh, really? So we'll see what how that's going on. Um, where do you think? Do you think this was a nice jump start for the Justice League "quote unquote" universe? Yeah, like you know, again, this is all personal and subjective, but subjective i'm looking forward to another movie more than i would have been before this one you mm -hmm. know and that's the best i think again mission accomplished hmm what would you now there's five warner brothers dc films man of steel batman v superman suicide squad wonder woman justice league how would you rank those five i go wonder woman justice league and it gets dicey uh maybe batman v superman Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, or eh, maybe Man of Steel above Suicide Squad. I haven't watched either of them more than once. I would go Batman v Superman 1, probably Justice League 2, Wonder Woman 3, Suicide Squad, Man of Steel. We both, we, we both are not fans of Man of Steel. Yeah. You know, not to be too spoilery here, but I thought that uh, the, way they, the way they dealt with the Superman issue, because he's dead and at the end of Batman v Superman. And I, you know, no spoiler here. We all know he's coming back for the, in this film. What did you think? How did you think they handled the way he returned in this film? Um, again, unexpected. Like, it was one of the ways I thought it might happen, really? you know, or, or like when I say that I'm saying about like point in the film and roughly the way it'd be handled. Not that I had it exactly mapped out how it would be. Um, I can't decide. And it doesn't really matter if I think they did a good job marketing this. Cause so the marketing for this film, Almost completely leaves out Superman. Right. Not completely, but we all kind of know like he's going to be in this movie. I open up my press notes. Henry Cavill, who plays him, is one of the top actors <laughs> listed. So It was not a shock. No. I mean, I kind of only hinted at it in my review because it's deep enough in the movie. Right. Um, you know, trying to kind of honor that, I guess. But 
you couldn't be. I said, you know, absolutely zero people should be surprised right. that this character might return. So, and if you see the movie this weekend or whatever, whenever, stick around. Uh, a real fun two cutscenes, one in the middle of the credits. I thought it was really fun. And if you're an old school DC fan, it'll be a lot of fun for you. And then the the last cutscene, I thought it was really cool. It sets up a really even more expanded universe. Yeah, the last cutscene brought back the character I had blissfully forgotten about, uh, <laughs> and I was not so happy to see him or her. Really? I just think that casting's awful. I can't get past it. There you go. All right, so we're going to wrap that up. Let's go into your holiday movie preview and The Last Jedi. Are you How are you feeling about this film right now? I, I've fallen into my trap. So, I fell so hold, hold on. Right. Two, let's, let's rewind two years ago where you were out of your mind with excitement with Force Awakens. And I think you did mention that maybe it's not the fandom isn't quite there. Where would you rank? Where would you rank your fandom back then? It had to be about eleven, right? Oh yeah, it was cr- I was crazy. Where are you at now? Uh, so if, if that was an eleven, I guess I'm at like an eight, eight point five, something okay. like that. Um, as uh, I was really excited last time that J.J. Uh, Abrams would be directing, and uh, the movie didn't. I, I like that movie a lot, but I think it's got problems. I don't think it's as good as his Star Trek movies. But I'm right back in the same place. I love Ryan Johnson. I'm like, I can't wait to see a Ryan Johnson-directed Star Wars movie. I think that last trailer that came out uh, like a month ago was fantastic. So I'm all the way back in. But but I think maybe my expectations are a little bit more realistic than they were going into the first Star Wars movie we were getting in 20 years. I just I couldn't wait to see what it would look like. Or 15 years. I just couldn't wait to see what it would look like and what it would be in these new characters. And now, like, okay, we kind of know this new galaxy they've created and I, I i you know i'm hoping they just improve upon things and tell a compelling story and don't just rehash the empire strikes back the way they just rehashed a new i think hope. they're going and to i think there's certainly gonna be some parallels i don't i can't believe they will make it as much of a uh mirror image of of it as as the force awakens was to a new hope but we'll wait and see i mean there's going to be jedi training and right. some, some of the same stuff and i'm pretty sure there's going to be a big revelation there's going to be temptation oh, can yeah. you resist the dark side there's and no question with ray and hey, to me okay i'm an old school guy all i know is back in 1983 like that was the last time we saw a movie with luke skywalker in it and look i know he was in the force awakens in the last minute or two but he, you know that was like the cameo of all cameos in a star wars movie right so we're actually going to see a, a a Luke Skywalker film, or an, a film with Luke Skywalker being a, a you know a constant thread throughout. Who knows if they're going to kill him off? You know, I would be shocked if they did. But let's just pretend that he's going to be in this film throughout. That's my biggest level of excitement for this film and the biggest interest. Where do you think they're going to go with with this Luke storyline? Uh, I mean, you know, based on watching the trailers, it just seems like he's going to be the old sage now. He's going to train Ray, but he's it seems like he has a great level of what's the word caution and apprehension about everything going on. It just seems like he he's been in hiding. You sort of get the sense he he he'd rather keep hiding. He'd rather have no Jedi's, but he realizes he's got to get back into this. I just think every time you see him in the trailer, they're painting him up as this uh, very concerned, very worried. Uh, well, yeah, because one of the first trailers that came out, he remember he remember the big line was. The Jedi must die or the Jedi must end. I only know one thing. It's time for the Jedi to end. Right. So that one, you know, they're they're teasing up. I think they're doing a really good job, but I think there's going to be some aspect of this. They're teasing up this whole Luke and Ray connection, but I I'm, I would be surprised if they didn't go this route. There's, there's going to be some 
resolution between what happened with him and Kylo Ren, because that's his nephew, correct? Yeah, and you and I disagreed with this on a previous podcast, but I still think when he talks about, I've only seen this kind of power once, and I wasn't afraid of it then, right. I am now. He's talking about Kylo Ren. He's not talking about Darth Vader. Because Kylo Ren turned against him. He was training Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren turned against him, murdered the other you know, young Jedi. Right. So I think... I think they're trying to set up a big parallel between Rey and Kylo Ren as these two young, very powerful. Man, force I think builders. he might be talking about Rey because because well, Snoke talks about you get the you get the impl- you get you kind of get the idea that Snoke thinks that Rey is much more powerful than Kylo Ren. I, I'm saying that comment where he says, "I've only seen this once before." He's he's seeing it now in Rey. He saw it previously in Kylo Ren. That's okay. what I'm saying. Oh, I see. I'm going to still say Darth Vader. Yeah, you're crazy. I'm I'm going with that. Okay. Where do you think Snoke fits, fits into this? Do you think we're going to, you know, that, that was, and that's another parallel, a, par, a parallel with Star Wars, the original Empire. You, you had no mention of the Empire, the Emperor in the first one. And then you get a little, little bit more in the Empire Strikes Back of the Emperor. And you did, you did get Snoke in the first one. But I think we're going to get a little more. Oh, I think we're going to get a, a, quite a bit more you of think Snoke. We're gonna, really? Yeah. And I have my prediction, you know, for... Well, tell me. Well, we talk, I, I think at the end of the movie, Ray is with Snoke, and Kylo Ren has been cast out, and uh, and they're going to do a, a flipperoo. Man, dude. Shocked, beyond shocked would be my prediction, or my, my reaction. They're going to look to have that Empire Strikes Back type of twist, something that big. Let me ask that you That would this. be big. And this, look, in terms of a story, that's... Absolutely a very compelling story. But let me ask you this. They spent all last episode building her up, and she is such a hero now for young girls all over the country. That's the danger. You know, if you turn her dark, do you, I think you're going to turn off a lot of fans, and there are going to be a lot of girls in this country, and women, and, and, and men who are fans of this character. That, that You're taking a big chance if you do that. That would be like taking Luke Skywalker at the end of Empire Strikes Back and making him a baddie. You think, and, about, think about it if you, if and you that's experience why I, that. That's why I that would have broke my heart as a 10-year-old. I, I know, but that's, that's really the reason they should do it. It would be powerful. It would frustrate people. But you tell me these people who are like mad at Disney or Lucasfilm or whoever for doing this, they won't be there to watch Oh, there's no nine. question about and, that. And part of... But you might sell a few less Ray dolls or action figures. Maybe. And you don't uh, believe me, they're thinking about that. They are. They are. <laughs> but my whole th- my thought of the way this trilogy is going to work, by the end of it, Kylo Ren and Rey are, are both good. Like, she goes back, yeah. and then they probably do the future movies where they're both heroes. i got to disagree with you. I think she's going to be tempted. She's going to think about it. She's going to have serious thoughts about it. But I don't think she's going to turn. I think she's got these abandonment issues. and uh, well, I mean, Luke might have had that, too. Well, there's a lot of parallels with there with Luke, but again, after a movie where they did, they basically made the same movie. I hope they do a twist on it and do it differently this time. You wonder if in in, in the whole thing with uh, Carrie Fisher, they've got to they've got to resolve that issue, right? Correct. Have you heard anything about that? No, just that she was supposedly going to be a major part of the the last movie. Do you, you think know? is she going to be in the last movie? I don't believe so. I've heard she's not. I've read she's not. Do you think they're going to kill her off in this movie, or is it going to be off screen? Like, totally a guess. My guess is they kill her off between movies. Huh. I think that's the way to do it. And all that's left is che- Chewie and Luke. Chewie. <laughs> Good old Chewie. Yeah. He'll be the last one standing. I hope we get uh, I hope we get more R2 this movie. As much as I like BB-8. Nah, I don't care. Oh, you miss R2. You miss R2. Garbage. So, um, 
just you know, just in a, in a nutshell, do you think this film is going to be better? Do you think, do you think it'll be better than Force Awakens? It certainly will be better at the box office. That was a that was a cultural phenomenon. That that, that yeah, I agree with you. I think it'll be better. But I, I'm again, I'm, I don't know if I can separate my objective predictor hat and my fanboy hat because now I'm just you know been waiting two years for this movie. I think Ryan Johnson's an excellent filmmaker. So I think it's going to be excellent. But what do you like about Ryan Johnson? What has he done in the past? What, uh, he did Looper, which is a crazy time travel movie that's really it's hard to do that movie and I Bruce think Willis really well love it right he, he came on the scene with this movie Brick which took like high school kids and did this like old school film noir with him it's it's a, a pretty wild movie so he's he's not mainstream he's, he's a little artsy he's sort of on the artsy side of mainstream you know on the lower it's sort of bridging those two worlds but you don't get much more mainstream than do you this. think he's still going to give us that old style feel that you know that that feeling we had from Force Awakens or do you think this is going to be almost a completely different field type of movie. Uh, I think they'll still be that. I think, you know, they've hired people who are very, uh, are huge Star Wars fans right. and they really respect uh, that nostalgic feel. So I think you're going to get a lot of that. But I think he'll take a few more chances than J.J. Abrams did. Hmm, interesting. And he's all, Ryan Johnson's already been signed on to do a new trilogy of unrelated That's Star interesting Wars movies, so, yeah. because I'm wondering where they're going to go with that. Is that going to be another legacy trilogy or is it going to be totally separate from the Skywalker they only released like a couple sentences, but my reading of it was it was going to be totally separate and maybe not a back in the past kind of a thing. Which I think I think they need to start doing something new. All the spinoffs they've done so far. You mean are, something in the future? You mean not necessarily in the future, just not so connected with uh, the Resistance and the and the First Skywalker. Order and the Skywalkers. Just that's just, what I meant. Like not yeah. not in this mainstream storyline. Right. That that's what I that's if reading between the lines. That's what I think. But I think it's interesting after. Um, you know, they have fired or fallen out of favor with multiple directors now, Lucasfilm has. Right. You know, people on, yeah. on. And I think. It's kind of alarming, it, I think. They go out of their way to talk about how much they like Ryan Johnson. Now they give him this. It's like, look, see, we can work with somebody. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, you wonder, you know, they got this guaranteed moneymaker if you just stick with the dark side, the force, the empire, or whatever you want to call it, the first order, uh, uh, the Skywalkers, you know. Do you think if they totally separate themselves and just go down a different path, as long as you still have that Star Wars stamp on it, do you think it's ironclad? Do you think it's Teflon proof? I mean, you know, like you said, will it be, will it do Force Awakens business? No, but I think it'll do quite well. I mean, because what they're banking on with all these prequels, like the Solo thing, that was that looks so weird. That that it just says Solo, the, the new High and Solo movie like that's coming it. out. You know, and I, that's what they're banging on all these prequels. Rogue One was, you know, a prequel. Right, and you know that I think... The, New Hope. I think the yet unannounced uh, offshoot movie for a couple of years from now will be the Kenobi movie. Right, so you're still sticking with that old school feel and right. banking on these they old characters. they got to do something new soon. You just wonder if there's an acceptance for that, you know? Like, you know, if if, if there's not that feeling like, well, wait, where are the lightsabers? And how come there's not a stormtrooper? And... That's stuff that's real out there, you know? And Yeah, but I, like you said, I think that Star Wars branding just goes a long way. So, so all I got to do is put Star Wars on it, right? Put the money into it. Put a good director yep. on it. I'm in. All right, so you wrote about a boatload of other movies. Tell me about some of these other movies that you're excited for. Just a couple. I, I have one that I'm really excited yeah, for. Yeah, I run down a few, but uh, a couple I'm excited about. Uh, one is um, uh, Darkest Hour. When I say excited about I've already seen this movie. Uh, it doesn't come out here until December 15th. It's a... Uh, it's another Dunkirk story. We already got Dunkirk this year. I can't remember if you saw it. But, I did not. Um, Dunkirk, I thought, was in its way excellent, even though I didn't think a mainstream audience would really uh, gravitate towards it. I think this movie is a little bit more uh, easy to digest. It's Gary Oldman in all kinds of makeup and prosthetic, 
uh, portraying Winston Churchill. And we've seen a couple of Winston Churchill uh, portrayals recently. I did a, a, a story about this movie, Churchill, that came out a few months ago with Brian Cox's Churchill. John Lithgow plays him on The Crown on Netflix. But Oldman's a whole new level. I mean, he, he looks amazing. He's fantastic. It's directed by Joe Wright, who did Atonement and Pride and Prejudice and just has a great sense of visuals. I, this is up there for my favorite film of the year so far. Really? I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, so that's one. I, I would think we're both excited about The Post, which is the story of the Washington Post mainly, but also the New York Times, fighting with the government to publish the Pentagon Papers right. in the 1970s. We're going to get Bill Bradley, played by Tom Hanks, and the publisher... Uh, the woman played by Meryl Streep and Spielberg. Hey, no one played Bill Bradley better than Jason Robarts and the. Uh, what am I? Why am I? All the presidents. All the presidents. Men. Yeah, that's. I'm hope my dream is that this movie will sit up there for me with all the presidents' men and Spotlight. But that's yeah. Tall. I mean, what, what excites me? You know, it, it, the older you get, the more nostalgic you feel. But man, I tell you, just from watching that trailer, they've got the '70s newspaper newsroom just pegged down perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like if you ever watch uh, Zodiac. Um, God, they got that '60s, late '60s, early '70s newsroom feel. Yeah. Just that that whole vibe. It's amazing how these filmmakers can capture those those decades so perfectly. But that's what put to me. That's what really pulls you in. But it sounds like a you know the cast. My gosh, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, Steven Spielberg directing. I mean, this thing's got to be like got Oscar written all over, right? For sure. Another movie that I think uh, I call it Oscar bait in the preview, but we'll see is. Um... The Greatest Showman. That seems like something that might interest you. Are you into that? Kind of. That's the that uh, P. Hugh Jack and stars Barnum. P. T. Barnum in this musical. We'll see. I mean, uh, I'm not. A, I'm not really into musicals. Yeah, you know? I, I could see that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, Hugh know. Jackman's Hugh Jackman's perfect for musical theater. He's done a bunch of it on stage. I've been and, reading some stuff about you know because you know P. T. Barnum was known for obviously you know the circus, but like you know. The behind-the-scenes cruelty towards animals, and there's a lot of—I've read there's a lot of animal activist groups that are upset the way they're championing this film. Like, you know, oh, it's so feel-good, and you know, it, you're gonna get some. Right. You know, and then, look, and this is this is the age we live in now. PC and you know all these groups, and and look, they have a point, obviously. But yeah. We'll see how that goes, you know. But I guess what they're saying is, it's this is not a portrayal of P.T. Barnum's life as he grew. The circus up. It's it's really more of a kind of a fluff piece, I guess. Yeah, and and I guess I think there are rooms for different things, and I I don't know that I exactly want a hard hitting musical, right? You know, so <laughs> right. I, I think I'm I think I'll be fine with it as it is, but that is a legitimate uh, right you know point of view. I mean, I like Hugh Jackman. I'm just not a huge Hugh Jackman fan. I guess I don't know. It's for the when I saw the first trailer a couple months ago, it just had that big Hollywood musical oh, yeah. feel. And I don't get excited for everyone, but there's something about that one that just, it, it has me gravitating right. towards it. There's one film I'm excited about. It comes out in a couple of weeks and it's more of an indie film and it'll probably, won't, I don't even know if it'll be on the mainstream theaters. It's called The Shape of the Water. It's with Michael Shannon and I think it's Octavia Spencer. She's in it. She's uh, few, she was in the uh, the space movie with uh, uh, Hidden, Figures. Hidden Figures. She's also in The Help. She's a very um, good actress. Yeah, the main star. I'm trying to look up her name. Sally remember. Hawkins. I, yeah. I know her a little bit, but um, but it's it, but it's, it's directed by Guillermo del Toro, who's very cool. I, he just does these right. kind of like weird. He connects the world of sci-fi with high drama, and he, he he's really out there. We and, talked to Entertainment Weekly how the, the movie was really inspired by as a kid him seeing Creature from the Black Lagoon. Right. Um, 
I just like that, that misunderstood monster, right? I think that trailer looks terrific. It's that kind of like that Frankenstein feel to a yeah. little bit, you know? I think that movie, it is from the, like the, I think it's from Fox Searchlight, which is more the art house arm of Fox. But I think that movie will be in enough theaters where it won't be too hard yeah. to see. It's just got, it's just got, I wonder, if, maybe, if, I wonder if it gets Oscar momentum, it'll pour into the theaters maybe in 2018. Right. Um, but it's also based in that uh, Cold War paranoia, right. 60s. That you know, and, and Shannon, he's got that look. He was, he almost seems like he was should have been born in that era. Oh yeah, well he's already, you know, he kind of has the the Boardwalk Empire look too. Right. So he, he's great in those historical pieces. So yeah, I really hope. That's Is there anything else that's coming out like big time mainstream blockbusters that we should keep an eye out? Uh, just you know, the the weekend, the the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, next next Wednesday, always has a ton of releases. Uh, I've already seen Coco, the Disney Pixar. How is movie. that? Starts out slow for me, and then by the end, it got it got there. Um, really won me over as time went on. But it's one of those movies where like it throws so many characters at you at the beginning. It's like I can't wrap my arm around this. But ultimately, is it an adult animated film or a kids animated? Film? I mean, it's it's for families. Okay, you know, it's it's like most Pixar things. But it's just like it's set in Mexico around the Day of the Dead. You know, Day of the Dead. Right, because I get this vibe of like I thought it looked like a Halloween film at first. Right. So the kids got this big living family. And then this big family that's already deceased, and he's traveling between worlds. And there's nothing wrong oh, with that. Okay. People have big families, but I could just so many, follow. so many characters at the beginning. Um, but it it did get me there at the end. I, I I felt the emotional punch. There's this other movie coming out, a little smaller release uh, that same weekend called Last Flag Fi- Flying. Okay. On that, which is Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad, Steve Carell, and um, oh, help me out, the guy from The Matrix, not Keanu Reeves, but oh, Fishburne. Fishburn. And, uh, That's a great cast. It's a great cast. They're, they're three men who fought together in Vietnam, and now in the present day, Steve Carell's character's son had just died in Iraq, and he asked them to go with him to get the body and, and help him out. Wow, with that stuff. sounds it's, really cool. What's it called again? It's called, I get tongue-tied, Last Flag Flying. Huh. Um, it's directed by Richard Linklater. I've never heard about this. It's directed by uh, Richard Linklater, who did the Before Sunrise movies, who did uh, Boyhood. Right. So he's got a great, like, natural feel. You kind of feel like stuff doesn't feel quite as heightened. It doesn't feel quite as much like a movie. It feels a bit more real life, even though this certainly feels like a movie at times. Right. But I just love spending time with these characters, it, it, even though, you know, it goes down to some uncomfortable places and mm-hmm. and gets emotional without having, like, the big bang scenes. You know, it just... So I like just felt so genuine and well done. I was really high on this movie. Hmm. Anything else? Uh, those are the big ones. I'm excited about Roman uh, J. Israel Esquire, the Dennis, uh, Denzel Washington lawyer movie that comes out also next weekend. I'm hoping to see that on Monday, but we'll see. So this is a crazy busy time with a lot of stuff. Absolutely. So all right, well that's gonna wrap it up. Miss, thanks for all your insight on Justice League and Last Jedi. And I, hopefully there'll be. Hopefully we'll both see Black Panther coming out the next superhero movie early next year. We'll disagree because I don't like what's going on. I, well, we'll see. You know, some of these movies surprise you, like Ant Man and Guardians, which you were not high on going in. So you never You've know. Never been more right that we should have been excited about Guardians of the Galaxy. Big never. time. All right. So listen, we'll be back in two weeks, and uh, we'll talk a little more sports. Maybe the Browns will actually have a win. Could what do be. you think? Could be. No. They could win Sunday against the Jags. Most we'll possible. All right. So if people want to follow you on Twitter, where are you at? At Mark Mazoris. And I am at M Poto. So until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a production of the News Herald in Willoughby, Ohio, part of 21st Century Media and Digital First Media.